Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Monitor podcast. My name is Art Burns, and I'm your host. I'm here to talk about mindfulness and emotional intelligence and the wonderful benefits that we can get from these qualities that we can practice and, and weave into our lives. And it's not just about work. Even though we're called the Mindful Manager podcast, you know, we kind of talk about work uh, sort of as a base. Uh, and that's mostly because, you know, face it, we all spend uh, most of our lives at work, you know. Um, and so, and so, uh, a lot of the things that we talk about here do start with work, but it's really important to understand that these qualities can emanate throughout the every part of your life and can positively affect literally every single aspect of your life um, when you cultivate them through the practices. And speaking of practices, um, one of the things that I really try to do here is is to weave into the podcast episodes some informal practices that we can sort of, you know, kind of ways to, to act in our lives, ways to sort of live our lives uh, that will help to um, uh, supplement the formal practices that I give you here every single week. Every Wednesday, we do Practice Wednesday here, and that means that I give you a formal guided meditation via uh, uh, audio recording, which you can literally just plug and play, okay? Literally put your headphones on or turn on the speaker and literally just do the meditation. There's no prior experience necessary. There's no equipment necessary. There's nothing necessary except your willingness to do the practices. And that's something that I really pride myself on is the ability to really sort of simplify these practices so that you can, you know, so that anyone can pick them up right away and start doing them. A lot of times that's one of the things that keeps people from doing uh, meditative uh, practices and contemplative practices of any kind is that, you know, people feel like, well, I'm not trained in it. I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. I, I, I don't do it right. The one time I tried it when my friend took me to a yoga class, I didn't feel, you know, I had too many thoughts or I couldn't breathe right or, you know, all these things go through our heads. And what it does is it pushes us away from doing the practice. But the, the reality of it is that these things are super simple. And if we treat them as super simple, and that doesn't mean treating them as easy, but if we treat them as simple, they become more approachable. And if they become more approachable, then then all of us feel as though we can embrace them and we can get a lot of benefit out of them. And once we feel that, once we believe in that, then our subconscious mind will embrace what we're doing here. And, and soon you will be cultivating the mindfulness and the emotional intelligence that I mentioned here and and then you will start to realize these wonderful benefits again starting with your work and making your, you much more productive and much more successful with your work but then emanating into every other area of your life okay it radiates out just like a you know ripples in a pond and it's and it's really beautiful and and you you know the way you tell that it's working is one day you're going to react to something in a way that is not the way you normally would and you're going to step back and you're going to say wow is did i just say that did i just do that did i just feel that and once that happens then it's so inspiring and uh, i just i love those moments and i remember feeling 
feeling those moments for the first time. And, you know, it's almost one of those things that I miss a little bit, you know, because that, you know, even though, you know, it's, it's not necessary for me anymore. I miss those moments, those aha moments of like, wow, this is a result of all this practice I've been doing. I didn't realize it was going to affect me in this way. And this is wonderful. And so folks, I really just implore you to, to keep up with these practices. Okay. Again, every Wednesday, I give you a new one. So, so my recommendation would be just to, you know, pick the ones that you love the most. And and certainly if, if one or two works really well for you, you know, stay with those. Um, but really the reason I give them out every week is that, you know, you could literally do a new practice each and every single week and, and do that for the week. And, and just, you know, again, slowly and surely over the time, you know, these practices will start to take root in your life and, and you will see the benefits from them. Okay. I promise you it's, it's just a matter of, you know, it's like math. If you do the practices, you do one plus one, it will equal two. And I promise you, and that is every single day. All right. So, um, but, but it's important to understand that these things happen sort of in the background a little bit. It's important to understand that it's not something that you're you're going to see happen. It's not like losing weight where you can measure your weight every single day and you can see the weight drop on the scale. You know, the in mindfulness is much more of a, or much less of a, a linear sort of process and much more of a circuitous process, right? In which like it, it goes all over round and up and down and round and round and, and it, you know, and, and, but, but then you see the evidence and that's how you know it's working. And, and so, so I say that really to make sure that you're sticking with it because, you know, a lot of times, you know, again, people who have never meditated before and and maybe haven't done the research on how this stuff works, you know, physiologically and psychologically for us, you know, they kind of, you know, people will sort of, you know, look for these telltale signs that something's happening, that something's working. And when they don't see it, you know, we're, we're very evidence-based as, as Western, uh, in the, as, as citizens of the Western world, we're very evidence-based. And if we don't see that evidence, a lot of times we become skeptical. And again, once we become skeptical, that's our subconscious mind creeping in and, and, and our subconscious mind will derail us if we, if we let it. And so, so that's the only reason I'm mentioning all this is to, is to really inspire you to, to just keep practicing, you know, almost with a faith-like belief that, that this is going to work. Um, and, and please take my word for it that it will, okay, as long as you keep doing the practices, all right? So today I want to take our conversation about stress a, a one step further. Um, over the last two weeks now, um, we've been talking a lot about different types of stress and different types of uh, effects of stress. I should say different types of stressors and the different types of stress that they produce within our body. Bodies. And um, and so today I wanted to talk about something that, that is kind of not often um, mentioned when we talk about stress. You know, now again, a lot of, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned this several times over the last couple of weeks, but a lot of people, you know, feel almost resigned to the fact that um, that stress is just part of our lives, right? And, and, and it is, right? Like it's always going to be there. And, and you know, and, and it's, you know, again, as I've explained over the last couple of weeks, you know, stress is the natural response of our bodies to, you know, to a, a, an event outside of our bodies, which, you know, most of the time, which, which we see as a threat, right? And so, <clears throat> and so it's, it's really important to, to 
acknowledge that yes, it's always going to happen, right? And, and stress is always going to be there because it is a natural thing. It's actually something we want our bodies to do, right? Because, you know, if we are being chased by something, you know, we want that hyper arousal because that hyper arousal is going to keep us alive, right? Um, but, but the thing is that we're, we're resigned to the fact that we're always going to have stress. So people wind up just accepting when things are, you know, when, you know, the body sensations that, that stress produces and, and the effects of our health, you know, people wind up just accepting it and just resigning themselves to like that. This is the reality, you know? And, um, and a lot of times what happens is these, these symptoms that, that our body is showing us, you know, things like aching joints, right. Which could show, um, a level of, you know, uh, of overweight or high, you know, obesity, uh, you know, um, you know, maybe certain feelings that are being produced by high blood pressure or, or the flutter in our chest that, that we, we recognize that is really a heart arrhythmia. Now, these things can ultimately be very, very dangerous to your health, right? But a lot of times we just, you know, we shrug it off because it's like, oh, it's just, you know, either we're acknowledging that it is just stress and, and it's just is what it is and there's nothing we can do about it. Or what's even worse is we just attribute it to things like being old or, or being overworked or oh, I'm just tired from working so much or I'm just, you know, this or that or the other thing, right? And, and, and we just kind of, we brush off these, these early telltale signs that our body is giving us that, that could really mean the difference of decades of life, you know, and, and that's, I don't mean to be a bummer here, but, but literally this is what we talk about. And this is why, you know, John Kabat-Zinn and his mindfulness-based stress reduction clinic has been so successful, right? Because he has taken people who literally were on their way to an early death and he has extended their lives in ways that that is you know productive and enjoyable you know years of life that he's added on to their their uh their existence and and it's all because he was able to get them to reduce the stress in their lives, right? Or the stressors or their 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 stress response to the stressors in their lives, right? And so and again, it is all done through mindfulness practices, right? Which is, again, essentially the, the very basis of all of it, right? Of every single practice that he works with his clients and, and with his patients and the, the, the same practices that I work with with my clients and the same practices that I give you, you know, it's all based on one simple concept. And that is to pay attention in the, on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally. Okay, because and that, and that's the key to everything. Okay, so um, so again, I, I know we've covered a lot of this already, and I don't want to like rehash it here. But but what I want to talk about again is is this this concept of of stress or or one of the attributes of stress, which is really very rarely um, you know mentioned or or talked about or or you know even understood by most people, right? And that is the fact that you know the stress response that we feel in our body. Body is exactly the same. It's it's defined as the survival instinct or the survival mode of our bodies. Okay, it is exactly the same response that a gazelle feels when it's fleeing a cheetah in the African savanna. Right, it's the same um, the same stress feeling that a mouse has when it's running away from a cat, or a cat has when it's running away from a dog, or you know, pick whatever 
whatever predator prey you want to talk about, right? And it is exactly the same thing, okay? When you are feeling stress in your body, okay, it is the exact same thing that is happening to that antelope or that gazelle or that mouse or that cat or whatever animal it is you want to talk about that is, that is you know, fleeing uh, or fighting off a, a potential, you know, lethal threat, okay? It's exactly the same thing. There's no difference, right? The difference is what the stressor that causes that stress, right? And for us, you know, as I always like to, to you know, be kind of like humorous about it and say that, you know, there's no saber-toothed tiger lurking around the corner of your cubicle row at work, right? And there's, you know, there's no, um, you know, like lethal spider that's that's going to crawl out from, from behind the water cooler and bite you, right? That, you know, that, that we live in a society that is, that is controlled enough and safe enough from all of these mortal dangers right but that so that just changes what the stressor is the same stress response in our body can be caused by you know a, a you know a negative comment by our supervisor at work right or or losing a client you know or or you know just a look at our bank account at, at a particularly bad time of the month you know when when an unexpected um expense comes up you know when when our kid comes home and they need you know it, it's time to renew the the baseball uh program and and we just had to shell out two thousand dollars for our car right that that moment you are feeling the exact same thing that your ancestors hundreds of thousands of years ago felt when they heard a, a twig crack on the other side of a boulder because it very well may have been a, a saber-toothed tiger that was going to devour them, right? And it's the same response that you feel that, that a, 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 an antelope will feel when, it's, when it sees a cheetah coming at it at 35 miles an hour across the savannah in Africa, right? I mean, that's, it's the exact same thing, right? The, the same things are happening to your body as happens to, to all these other animals and, and early humans that, that I talk about, right? And these things are, again, and just to review really quick, you know, the increase of your blood pressure, the increase of your heart rate, the elevation of your heart rate, um, the um, the shutting down of non-essential uh, uh, systems in your body, starting with your digestion, but also, and this is what I want to talk about, the the ability to to creatively think, right? And 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 this has a lot to do with again the neuroscience of the brain, right? The physiological science of the brain, right? So so in our brains, right? When we have a new experience, right? We are developing. Uh, you know, memories of that experience, which we are going to use to associate later on to, to understand what's going on around us, right? And this is how we learn, right? This is, you know, this is how kids learn. It's how adults learn. This is how everybody in between learns, right? And and this is, is dependent on a part of your brain called the hippocampus, okay? Your hippocampus is essentially the, it's like a hard drive of your brain, okay? It's a hard drive and a search engine, like kind of all in one, right? All day long, your hippocampus campus you know stores these new memories that that it's that you're finding throughout your life right things that are happening all day long right that, that new things that are happening your hippocampus is storing those and and when you sleep your hippocampus then uploads those into your brain as long-term memories okay that's how we shift from short-term memory to long-term memory now 
the the other thing the hippocampus does is it recalls things so when you you know smell a flower it is your hippocampus which is searching all the different memories the millions of memories that you have of of smells to to locate the one that says oh that was a rose that you're smelling and not a daisy right or 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 it's a rose and not you know a litter box <laughs> you know or what have you um you know and and some of these things happen very quickly some take a little longer to to uh, to um, to find for your hippocampus, and that's because of the severity and the and the repetition, right? So, like if you have a cat, you know exactly what a litter box smells like, right? Because you you know you deal with that all the time. It doesn't take any time. But a lot of us, if we're smelling a hydrangea, for instance, it's not something we do every day. So it takes us a second or two to to you know to remember what that is, right? And so this is just speaking about the complexities of how this this you know organism of our brain works, right? And it's it's fascinating stuff. And of course, I'm, I'm very much simplifying it as I always do. And I will bow down to the neuroscientists of the world uh, that, that know, you know, like, you know, hundred times and thousands of times more than I do about this stuff. Right. But, but the gist of it is exactly what I'm saying. And so here's what, here's how this relates back to stress, right? Cause you know, listen, if you let me go, I'll, I'll geek out on this stuff for a long time, but, uh, but I'll bring it back to how it relates back to stress now okay because your your hippocampus is is one of those things which is not essential for your survival okay and and in fact that's where the amygdala comes in okay your amygdala you know at the same time that your hippocampus is like you know kind of you know wandering through all your memories to see oh is this a hydrangea or is it a rose or is it a um uh, uh lilac or is it a uh a daisy or or is it perfume or is it jasmine or what is this smell that i'm smelling right that as your as your hippocampus is is going on this wonderful walk this little stroll through the memories of all these different, um, uh, you know, uh, sense, you know, uh, memories that you have, you know, your amygdala in a thousandths of a second, right? Like three, four, five thousandths of a second, your amygdala is determining one thing. Is it dangerous or is it not? Okay. It's saying it's either flower or fire, you know, or, or, you know, something that's, you know, uh, incense or, 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 you know, gas, you know, that, that's what your, your amygdala is doing. And it's doing it enormously fast. Okay. Like, like enormously quickly, like so fast you can't even imagine. Right. And it's happening on a, you know, on a real time, like the minute you, the, the, not even minute, like the, the nanosecond that you smell something, your amygdala is already deciding whether that thing is a threat or not. Okay. So, so as far as your brain is concerned, right, your your hippocampus is not that important when you're under attack, right? Your your amygdala has already taken over and said, hippocampus, go sit on the bench. <laughs> we don't need you right now because we have to survive. This is not about learning something. It's not about some sort of, you know, like thought cognitive process. This is something about if we don't get out of here in the next second, we're going to be dead and, and it won't matter what we remember. Okay. And that's why, you know, you also shut down your 
digestive system, right? Like, like it doesn't matter if you are going to digest your lunch, if this animal is going to eat you, right? And so, and so your body is built for this stress response. And this is also like one of the wonderful things that we can look at, you know, when we think about stress is like, is like, wow, how awesome is this, that this all happens so quickly and so automatically, you know, and, and that just speaks to the, the natural nature of the, of, uh, or the, the, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the natural way in which this is designed to happen, right? Which is a beautiful and positive thing, right? The problem is <laughs> that, that a lot of times, you know, especially in modern society, if you're, you know, if you're just worried about paying your kid's baseball, you know, the fee for his baseball uh, season that's coming up, you know, that certainly is not a reason to shut down all these systems and, and to, you know, and to create this, this, you know, uh, you know, sort of condition of your mind that shuts out the idea of, 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 of getting new memories and, and retrieving old memories and all this kind of stuff, right? It's not necessary, you know, but yet again, that is the very same thing that you're feeling as if, as if you were being chased by, by a predator, right? And, and so, and, and it's, you know, and again, it's so automatic and it happens so quickly that it's really hard to, to sort of control in the moment. That's why we practice these skills to, to be able to handle these things, you know, and not allow that amygdala to feel that it's a threat, right? And that's, and again, we'll get into that in a minute, okay? But, but I want to get back to something that's really important, okay? Because again, when you're, when you're feeling that, like, like when you open that email and it's something from your supervisor at work that that triggers your your amygdala to say, oh, my God, I'm in danger. Right. And, and things start getting shut down and cortisol starts rushing through your body and, and you start, you know, your heart rate goes up and your blood pressure increases and your your muscles, you know, contract and you and you're ready to like run out of your chair, you know, and, and flee for your life. Right. Because you again, it's the same exact thing that's happening to an antelope when it's being chased by a lion, right? <laughs> you know, when, when you're feeling all that, you know, that's when your hippocampus shuts down. That's when you're, you know, all of your, your creative thinking, all of your, your ability to, to apply creative problem solving to your life, you know, completely shuts down, right? And so, and so even though there might be a great solution in your memory somewhere, you know, in some, you know, associative memory that you have, you know, of this situation, you could have a perfect solution to it, but you know what? You can't reach it because you're, you're experiencing the stress response, right? And, and that part of your brain has just been shut down, right? I, I often, like just this morning, actually, I did a LinkedIn post, like talking about like, can you imagine stopping to jot down a note if you're being chased by some kind of, you know, whether it's a wild animal or some kind of, you know, a knife wielding maniac, you know, like, would you, would you, cons- you know, even imagine stopping and saying, hmm, I wonder about that thing that, in that meeting the other day I, I wonder if we did this of course not you can't you know because you're you're trying to survive and so and so this is where mindfulness comes in okay when when we can practice paying attention on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally okay when we open that email from our boss right we can we can you know pay attention to what's happening right now okay which means you know again paying attention on purpose right which means having an intention to it right and 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 a practiced intention right so so we know better 
than to let our mind, because again, the, the brain works so quickly with this stuff, folks. I mean, like, you know, in milliseconds, it will run away with a story that will have you, you know, from this, this little email, which your boss might not even, even have meant to be, you know, as threatening as you're perceiving it. Within seconds, you can construct a story with your mind, you know, that shows that you're going to be living out of a refrigerator box within three weeks, you know, on Skid Row somewhere, you know, just, you know, and, and of course, this is a silly, you know, exaggerated, um, you know, example that I talk about, but that's really how our minds work, right? And, and that's exactly the problem. Like when we're, when we allow our minds to run away with this story of, of this threat that we perceive, that's when the cortisol rushes and the and the 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 heart rate increases and the the blood pressure goes up and the muscles tighten and and we feel you know our digestive system shuts down so we feel butterflies in our stomach and our our hair stand up on end and our our eyes dilate and you know all this stuff happens because of of thinking about what's going to happen through the process of this email right but but and again it's it's really hard to just control this right and that's why we say that mindfulness can't be learned it has to be practiced right because because you can't just like you could listen to this podcast every day you could read a hundred books about mindfulness and you could understand it completely right but when that email comes in it's so hard to control this stress response right so that's why we practice every single day right we practice paying attention on purpose, in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So when this email comes in, we pay attention to what's happening right now. I feel my body starting to tense. I feel my blood pressure going up. I feel this happening. And yet I know that this is just an email, right? And, and no matter what, you know, something is going to happen that I have no idea what it could be. It could be something positive that comes out of this. It could be something negative, but whatever it is, I am still sitting here at my desk right now. I am safe. I am, you know, I have options. I have abilities. And I do not have to judge this situation as something that is, you know, fatally dangerous. I can instead push myself out from my desk. I can walk to the water cooler. I can go to the elevator and go downstairs and take a walk around the block or, or out to the parking lot. I can just, I can breathe for a few minutes and I can calm my body down so that I can then have the ability to work through whatever it is that I feel is this threat. And then in that moment, I can start asking myself questions. I can say, is this really what's happening? Is Am I reading this email right? Is it possible that I'm projecting something into this email? Do I really need to be worried about this without all the information that I don't have, right? And that's where you may recall I gave you a, a a practice a couple of times here in this in this podcast. I'm going to give it to you again. It's called SBNRR. It's a very popular practice in stress reduction, and it's really really important. Okay, it stands for stop, breathe, notice, reflect, respond. 
Okay, now what we normally do if we don't practice this sort of thing, we see the email, we react. Okay, and that reaction could be anything from firing off a response that makes the situation that, that kind of takes away options for us, takes away solutions, you know, kind of narrows the scope of possibilities, right? Because if we if we send a nasty email back to our, our supervisor, even though the supervisor didn't mean what we thought they meant from the original email, it's too late now right? You can't unring that bell, right? That, that email's gone out, you know? And, um, you know, it reminds me of like old, you know, like honeymooners episodes where they're trying to like break into a mailbox to, to get a letter back because they, you know, they realize that they were wrong, right? Of course, in our society, it happens too quickly. There's no mailbox to climb into, you know? Um, you know, so, so that would be the normal sort of reaction to an experience, right? But if we practice SBNRR, which you can remember by the mnemonic, Siberian North Railroad, right? You're trying to cool off what's more cool than, than Siberia, right? So Siberian North Railroad, you can stop, right? You can breathe. You can take two or three deep mindful breaths, just focusing your attention on your breath, paying attention on purpose in the present moment, right? Whenever you're paying attention to your breath, you're automatically paying attention to the present moment because your breath is always present, right? The next breath that you might or might not take <laughs> is nothing yet, right? It does not exist. It's just a, a thought, right? Like there's nothing there. There is no breath that is your next breath. It doesn't exist, right? And, and the last breath you took is long gone. It no longer exists either. So anytime you're focusing your attention on your breath, you are automatically paying attention on purpose in the present moment. So you're, you're halfway to, to mindfulness just by doing that, right? And so, so when you can, you can stop, you can breathe, and then you can notice, okay, what, what am I feeling about this? Where in my body am I feeling this? Why am I feeling this tightness in my chest? Or, or I'm sorry, don't, don't ask why just yet. First, you want to just notice. I'm noticing a tightness in my chest. I'm noticing my, you know, as I'm paying attention to my breathing, I'm noticing that it's, it's you know, it's shallow and it's, and it's quick. I'm noticing that my, my palms are sweating. I'm noticing that my, uh, my back feels tight. My, my face, my facial muscles feel tight. My, my shoulders feels tight. You know, I notice all this stuff. Now I can reflect and I can say, why is it that I'm feeling this? Is it really true what I'm reading in this email? Or is this some sort of association that I have from something else that happened some other time? And am I projecting into this email? What is really going on? And listen, sometimes you, you, the answer will be like, no, you know, my boss is asking me into the office because he's about to lay me off or she's about to give me some kind of real crazy, you know, <laughs> a hard time and this is going to suck, you know, but, but again, just because it sucks doesn't mean that your life is going to end, right? And so, and so you can reflect on these things. And in reflecting on these things, what you do is you put them back into perspective, okay? You change it from a saber-toothed tiger to, to just a conversation with another human being, right? And knowing that you have, you know, all the resources at your disposal to survive whatever it is that's going to happen, right? And it's not like running from a saber-toothed tiger, right? And once you put it in that perspective, all of a sudden, the cortisol stops, the, the, the amygdala settles down and says, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe this isn't as dangerous as I thought it was, right? And, and that whole stress response in your body starts to, to dissipate and starts to calm down. Okay. Now you can respond, 
right? And now you can, you know, you can write an email back to your supervisor saying, I'd like to get more clarity on what you're talking about here, you know, or, or I know you're asking to see me about this project. What can I bring with me to make sure I'm more prepared? Um, you know, whatever it is, right? And, and I'm sure you can apply that to whatever situation. But then in that response, you know, just telling you this story, I feel less stressed out. I feel more relaxed in all this, right? And so, and, and folks, I'm telling you, this is a very popular exercise because it works, okay? And this is, again, this is one of those informal exercises that you can do anytime, right? And so, um, but, but even if, you know, if, if you do nothing else <laughs> but, but the first stop, right the first the first step of this of this process which is just to stop right just doing that is going to to work amazingly to reduce the stress response that you're going to have to this you know or I should say the stress reaction that you're going to have to whatever the experience is so if you can even just do the first two or three steps and, and don't worry about the reflect and respond part you know let let that come later just focus on doing the first three steps just stop breathe, notice what's happening in your body. If you just did those three things, automatically your stress is going to be lower and you are going to be able to handle the situations that come up in a much more healthy and beneficial way for yourself, okay? And this again, ultimately, you know, if, if you know, even breaking the process here and there, you know, you're gonna keep yourself from this chronic state of hyperarousal, right? And the chronic hyperarousal is what is the dangerous thing, right? Because that's what leads to, you know, hypertension, hardened arteries, hard arrhythmias, which is just a precursor for a heart attack, you know, inflammation and obesity and, and just, you know, all kinds of things that are just going to make you sick. Okay. And I don't want you to get sick. I really don't. I want you to be healthy. I want everybody to be healthy because there's no reason to make ourselves sick. There's enough sickness in the world that exists that we can't control. So let's control the, the sickness that we can. Let's avoid the sickness that we can avoid through our own actions. All right. So, um, I know we went a little long today and I appreciate your attention and your patience with me on this. I hope you got something out of this podcast today. I think it's a really important uh, aspect of what we're talking about. And um, if you'd like to know more or if you want any clarity on any of this or if you or if you have any questions on how to apply this to your specific life, I'm begging you to reach out and, and get in touch with me, okay? There's two ways you can do that. The first is to send me an email at art at artburnscoaching.com. The second is to go over to my website, artburnscoaching.com, click on the button that's right there on the front page that my wonderful, amazing wife has set up for me. It says, uh, virtual cup of tea, click to schedule. Just click on that. You basically enter your email and you get into my uh, my Calendly program, which is an online calendar program. Every every time that you see available is available for me. So you just pick one that works for your schedule. I will send you an email saying, "Hey, I'm so excited to get to get to talk to you. Do you want to do a phone conversation? Or do you want to do a video chat? Whatever your answer is, we'll exchange phone. I'll send you my phone number or the link. You can send me your phone number if you like, whatever, and we'll we'll take the conversation to the next level." 
level, all right? And, and the reason I call this a virtual cup of tea is because there's no obligation. It's just like sitting down to a cup of tea with someone, right? A friend or, or a colleague or, or someone who you just want to spend time with, okay? There's no obligation, there's no cost, and there's no strings attached. All right, folks. Um, I hope, again, I hope you really enjoyed this and I hope you got something out of it and, um, and I would love to hear about it, all right? Uh, and until next time, uh, tomorrow we got practice Wednesday, so I'll be uh, uh, posting another uh, great meditation for you to do. And uh, until then, I just want to tell you that I wish you well. And, uh, and I hope you have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.